thanks for joining us on Thumbnail. I'm Louis Rossignol. I'm really happy to say that this episode is a special episode. I'm going to be talking about mental health. And I was lucky enough to talk with a special guest this week, Hannah Shapiro, who was a contestant on the show Survivor, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. She played on a season called Millennials vs. Gen X. And there was a point in her season where she had a very public anxiety attack and she handled it really well. It was just a great moment for mental health awareness. And so I wanted to sit down and talk with her about being on the show and her anxiety and dealing with that type of stuff. But not just the show, we are talk about everyday life. I thought it was a good time because of what's going on right now with the pandemic and people seeming to be probably more anxious than ever. And so this is just a short intro into what we talked about. And so I'll just let the interview speak for itself, but I did want to just introduce it in this way. I told you a little bit about the fact that I'm a huge fan of Survivor. And so I'm really happy to have Hannah on from Millennials Gen X season. We're doing a special episode. We're going to talk about mental health because I thought it was good timing because of what's going on. So many people are dealing with things maybe that they never dealt with before. And so I wanted to talk to you particularly because you did have a scene in your season where you had, I guess, a panic attack or an anxiety attack. Can you describe what happened? Yeah. So I just for the listeners who don't know, I am not a professional, but I am I did have a nationally televised panic attack. So I feel some level of qualification to at least speak to my own experience about anxiety. And I'm really thankful, first of all, that you are having me on because yeah, I think a lot of people are experiencing heightened mental health situations and some of them for the first time. So people who have experienced things like panic attacks have more tools and hopefully we can help people get some tools. But yeah, I had a panic attack on national TV. Most people, when they have a panic attack, don't have a camera in their face. Right. But that was an experience I had. Basically, for those who don't know a ton about Survivor, you live on an island and you're not eating or sleeping very much, just to add some context to this panic attack I had. And we had, it was in the sort of in the middle of the Survivor game. And so I'd been out there for a couple weeks and we had what's called swapped to a new beach. Sometimes you live on one beach, but you can change beaches. And the beach I got changed to was a really, really rough location. So basically, sometimes in Survivor, you pick a thing out of a hat and you have bad luck. Mm -hmm. And so in this situation, um, our tribe was called Ikabula and our beach, all the other beaches were pretty nice. It was in Fiji. That's where Survivor filmed. But this particular beach was filled with trash, lots of bugs, like the production people that were usually in shorts or t-shirts were in full on like bug suits. And so even though we weren't sleeping and eating a ton before on this particular beach, I wasn't sleeping or eating at all because the bugs were keeping us up. We had a very little food. And so that combined with the fact that this game for a million dollars was getting more and more intense led me to have a panic attack. We went to this challenge. I didn't get picked to be a big role in the challenge. I was sitting out of the challenge and that upset me. And the, this combination of factors led me to start to panic. For those who don't know, panic attacks can be a very physical thing. And mm -hmm. so I was feeling short of breath, pain in my arms, and I hadn't eaten or slept either. And so part of me thought, oh, I'm dehydrated, I'm dying. So that only escalated it. So basically, I ended up in a situation where I was on a reality show having a panic attack. So that's sort of the context for how that happened. And what you're talking about, maybe some people aren't that familiar with the fact that 
anxiety and uh, lots of mental health issues can actually affect you physically. Yes. And so hopefully if someone out there is dealing with something, I know, for instance, my wife, right? She has a back issue and she's almost positive that it's connected to stress. And mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, I pulled a muscle. And the amount of physical conditions people can get from mental health issues is staggering and how much it can affect your physical well-being. After the episode aired and my panic attack was aired, luckily Survivor did a pretty good job of letting me narrate what was happening. I sort of figured out what was happening and that it was a panic attack because a Mm -hmm. couple months before the show, I had actually had my first major panic attack where I didn't know what was going on. I ended up in an ambulance like a couple months before the show thinking I was dying because it was so physical. I thought I was having a heart attack. So on the show, you see sort of my arms tighten up. I can't move my hands. Like literally my hands wouldn't open. I was having shooting pain in my arms and it was so physical. But the sort of interesting thing is when it aired, I started getting all these messages from people who said, oh, I had this physical thing happen that I thought was just some physical thing, dehydration or something. I think I was having a panic attack because so many people didn't know how physical it could be. You think, oh, I think a lot of people who don't understand and hear the word panic attack and just think, oh, this person was stressing out. When in reality, it can be very painful physically. Your mind and your body are super connected. And so, yeah, I had shooting pain. My my arms clenched in. I couldn't breathe. I think letting people know how physical panic can be, especially these days where you might feel something physical and your first thought might not be that it's connected to your mental health. It's important to know that you it can be connected to your mental health. Perfect. So that was great setting that up. And I appreciated that you said at the beginning that, you know, neither of us are mental health professionals. No. You know, we both just have issues that we deal with that are mental health related. And so we're just talking about our personal experience. I do want to ask you, you were a Survivor fan before you went on. What was your thought process when you were applying? Like, were you thinking I'll never get on? Or were you thinking if I get on, I'm worried that my anxiety will, it'll be too much? Can you talk about that? I was never interested in being like on reality TV. I was never interested in being like a reality star. For those listening, like I, this is the only show I'd ever be on. When I was 14 years old, I watched the first season I watched was called Cook Islands, Mm -hmm. which was is an old season. Weirdly, CBS got away with they split the tribes up that season by race, which is insane. Yeah. But it was also one of the most diverse casts ever and one of the best casts ever. Um, So I sort of fell in love with the show way back in the day. And I only say this to give context to my decision to go on. But I used to tell my dad, oh, I'm going to be on Survivor one day when I was in high school. And he thought, oh, that show's never going to be on. So I'll just nod along. And then when I applied to college, my Common App essay that you send to all the colleges was about how I wanted to be on Survivor. I went to Northwestern. At Northwestern, there was a teacher there who was obsessed with Survivor so much so that this professor taught a class about Survivor. He split the class into tribes and I got so into his class that so he hit a hidden immunity idol, which for those who don't know on Survivor, it's like an individual safety token, basically. And he hit it and I got so intense that I broke into like the TA's locker. I learned to pick a lock just to try to get this hidden immunity idol. So this teacher became a big fan of me. I was like his favorite student. The teacher then got on Survivor, which is insane. And then he said, of all my students, I really want you to get on the show. So he encouraged me to to make another video. I ended up going to his premiere party. I was living in LA at the time because I'm a writer and I want to do comedy writing things, which we'll talk about. And basically 
I got a response from this video because my teacher had encouraged me to apply. It took about a year for the casting person to reach out a second time though. Around that time, it was 2016, I was 24. I was in LA doing writing stuff. I was dealing with anxiety and I had sort of been introduced to panic attacks. But when this call came that they were interested in me for the show, you have to understand that this was something that I'd loved for 10 years. So for me, I wasn't certain I was going to go on it by any means. I was very skeptical about this idea of, uh, especially as like a creative person, I'm sure you can relate to giving up your image to a team of producers is very scary when we want to be our own creative force in the world. I was just so excited that I ended up going to what's called finals casting where they give you psych tests and uh, watch you and you know, you do all these interviews. So when I decided to go on the show, I was definitely concerned by the fact that I had been having panic attacks, but it was this childhood dream of mine. So I thought I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to figure this out. And so I sort of decided anxiety or not, whether this is a part of my experience or not, I want to do this childhood dream of mine. That was sort of my mentality going on the show. And while I don't suggest reality TV for everyone struggling with mental health, I definitely think that you shouldn't let fear stop you from doing things that you want to do. And so that was my mentality going in. Yeah, no, that's true. I agree with you 100%. And so it was just something that you just wanted to do so bad that you were just going to do it. For me, it was like when I was 14, just to be clear, like I fell in love with this game of social dynamics because I couldn't figure out social dynamics as a 14 year old. And so this idea that I could go try it out was just, yeah, it was a childhood dream. So I'm a big Survivor fan. So I know like what you're talking about. I think I even know the teacher you're talking about. But the average person that doesn't watch Survivor, maybe mm-hmm. they don't understand. They think it's just like a reality TV show. But if you're a fan and you just understand, I don't know that many people that are like, I know that there is a casual audience, but everybody yeah. I know that likes it really is into it. I have Tourette's and issues too. I would go on it in a heartbeat. I have applied because I just don't think I'd get on, but I would just deal with it. And and it was cool to see just a couple seasons ago, they had Wendy on who has mm-hmm. Tourette's and that was the first person I think they've had on. That made me think like, oh, maybe I should apply. But the thought of like going through the process of like auditioning and then you've got to go in multiple times and meet with producers. How was that? Because that can't be easy. Actually, ironically, so I've been doing like improv and comedy stuff for years. Casting, I had no anxiety about casting. I had so much fun oh, wow. because you have to understand So to give people context who don't watch Survivor, it's this game where you're out in the wilderness and you're voting people out. It's all this, it's like this interpersonal game. It's, it's like human chess basically. And so I was so excited. I didn't think that I would agree to do the show even. I was like, oh, I can't, like I said, I like, I don't want to give up my image. And like, I'd worked in reality TV a little. When I got to casting, I just had so much fun. And I think this is not everyone's anxiety looks the same. So for me, I get a lot of anxiety, but when it comes to like interviews and performances and things like that, that's where I feel the most free of my anxiety. And we can talk about how that came to be. But for me, casting was actually so much fun because I went to this hotel. They love, they basically lock you in a hotel. I can't give all the details because I signed like a bazillion NDAs and CBS would kill me. But basically, I would enter these rooms 
filled with a bunch of men in suits. And I just got to be as free and weird as I wanted to. And that was actually better. Like my casting person offered the whole group of us, because you're in this group of people, you can't talk to anyone because you're all being cast and they want you to meet on the island. Mm -hmm. And she would say, you know, if anyone needs prep, like, let me know. And I would go up to her after and be like, should I prep with you? And she'd be like, no, you're perfect. You can't prep. Because I would walk into these rooms and I just, I mean, imagine going to a job interview, but instead of having to behave, your weirdest impulses are exactly what they want to see. It was so much fun. Like I can't, I would walk into the room and be like, oh, so so that boy you're casting is pretty cute. He keeps walking shirtless around the pool. Like what a peacock. Like I would just get to say whatever thought I wanted. And it was, it was weirdly freeing. And at the same time, like for those who don't know the show, there's this host, Jeff Probst, who's also the executive producer. 14 year old me was freaking out because like Jeff Probst was in the room and I had dreamt about being on this show. I can't explain it, but like from very early on in casting, I knew I was going to get on this show. Like they eliminate people throughout the week and finals. And I think it's important to say sometimes when you have anxiety, things aren't always hard. Sometimes they're really hard. Sometimes you have panic attacks. And sometimes there are elements, whether it's art or whatever it is, where you feel very free of your anxiety. And for me, casting was really fun. So I actually, I didn't struggle in casting. That's really interesting. And so what you just said about how sometimes it can be really bad and sometimes you're fine. And I was trying to think about this the other day. I read an article and it was about kind of what like the pandemic and Mm. how a lot of people that deal with anxiety have told their doctor and their therapist that they've actually felt really calm right now which they thought would was unusual because they should be having way more anxiety. And the article was saying maybe because sometimes people with anxiety are actually worse when things are calm because their mind starts to race and they think about what could be the worst thing that could happen and go wrong. But then when you're dealing with something that's really intense or hard or out of your comfort zone, your anxiety might subside because you're already in the worst case scenario and now you're just trying to calm yourself. Have you ever thought about that? And is that something that you think has any merit? Pandemic specific, I think it's really come in waves for me. So I, I've definitely been very anxious sometimes and other times really calm. I remember, I remember saying to a friend or my therapist, maybe I was like, you know, everyone's finally as anxious as I am. And there's something oddly comforting about that. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's, you know, these are really scary times. So of course, I've experienced anxiety. It's interesting. I my mind, maybe it's because we've just talked about it goes to survivor specifically, when things were going really well, I was more anxious, because it felt like I was building this deck of cards in the game. And I was always afraid they were going to fall. But then there was a point in my season where everything went wrong that could go wrong. And weirdly, after that happened, I felt this sense of calm. Because I thought, oh, well, it's everything has fallen apart. And it was the most calm I'd been the entire time out there in the game. What was the moment? Well, it was basically, for those who don't know, I we tried to vote this person out. And instead, the vote was tied. Yeah. We went to what's called rocks, where everyone draws a rock. And then one of the people on my team went home because she drew the wrong rock. And then me and this other guy were the next to be voted out. And I was just so calm. Like even when my name was being read when I thought I was going to go home, which is in Survivor, the end of the thing, I just 
because people even from home commented, oh, Hannah looks so calm. And I remember just thinking, well, I messed up. It's done. Like I'm, I'm calm now. Yep. Yeah. I think there's definitely merit to that article. I'm not an expert. Like I, I feel like I have to keep saying that. Yeah. I definitely think there are moments that I should be more panicked where I feel calm, but also I think that that's probably not, I mean, we can, we can both agree, not a universal experience of people with anxiety. I think these are really scary times. And I know a lot of people are having trouble sleeping or, or dealing with panic attacks for the first time. But, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out and ask me questions about anxiety just because I was someone on the show that did have it. And luckily the show's gotten better at letting people talk about their own mental health stuff than they used to be. I mean, you mentioned Wendy. Wendy's a great example. I think Wendy's great very sweet girl. And they let her narrate her experience mm-hmm. a lot more than they have in the past. So that's a positive. That's true. It was really cool to see and to see her be able to narrate it. And from her perspective, I have another question that is survivor related that I think is interesting. I've noticed as a fan, I've watched a lot of seasons and I've noticed that there's there's something that seems to happen. So I'm, I'm thinking like of Aubrey and I'm thinking of yourself and David and Cochran, people that that seem to have anxiety. But for some reason, I don't know if this is just the editing and they're trying to portray it that they start the game off a mess. And then at the end of it, you've gone through this crazy journey and you're just such a different person who's so much strong. You know what I mean? And I want to know how much that is accurate and how much that's Mm -hmm. editing. That's a really interesting question. There's not, I don't think there's one black and white answer to that question. I think that when, I mean, I give context to first the word edit because I want to I just want people to understand like I don't believe in like a fictional edit on the show Survivor. I do believe though, and let's say I filmed you, Lewis, for three days, Mm -hmm. right? And let's say you have a good episode. I let you talk for two sentences of those three days. I could really tell whatever story I wanted to tell. right? And it would not be a fictionalized story. But if I wanted to make you frustrated with whatever art you're working on, I could show that. If I wanted to make you overjoyed, I could show that. I just say that because I want people to understand when we talk about edit, how I view it. Yeah. And then edit all weaves into what story is being told. So me, myself, Aubrey, Dave, Cochran, for those who don't know, we're all four people who, whether we, only Cochran of those four won, but whether we won or lost, we played a very long game that had a very full story. And there was growth in that. So I think for me... I I can't speak to Aubrey Cochran and Dave's experience. I'll only speak to my own. But there was definitely a level of growth in terms of trusting my gut and gaining confidence in navigating the situation. I think all four of us, I would say, it's okay to say deal with anxiety. And so I think the four of us probably, you know, I'll just speak for myself. You know, when you start, you feel like you're the only one dealing with that. So you think you're the only one that's going to fail. And I think the realization throughout it is, oh, like I do have the same gut instincts. I can navigate this as well, or if not better than the other people out here. So I think that is a true thing. I think a lot more learning and growing for me personally happened after the show in terms of like processing what happened, dealing with everything. So it's not like I started day one and was hapless. And then by the end of it, I left the show and was forever confident and decisive, I think those elements are true, but they're a lot more murky. And I think that afterwards, it took a lot more growth. I do remember specifically, though, on day like one or two of the whole thing, 
I pulled a producer into the, you know, we were walking to an interview and I just burst into tears and I was like, I'm going home first. And this was never going to happen. And he told me, he said, you know, you have a level of empathetic anxiety and you are, everyone out, he told me, he's like, everyone out here is is anxious, but you're just like absorbing it all and putting it on, oh, I'm going home or like, it's all on me. And so I can, I can say, yeah, that I learned how to shake some of that off and become a little bit more confident in what was happening beyond my anxiety. I don't know if that was a long and winding answer no, or if any of that made sense. No, it but definitely made it's sense. It's a complicated question. So I hope I hope that answer satisfied it does. the question. And like you said, Cochrane was the only one of the people I mentioned that yeah. won. But you, all the people that we were just talking about, you all made it really far. Yeah. And so the reason I say that is because sometimes I know I'm always in my own head. I have mm-hmm. a hard time sleeping at night because I'm overthinking things and anxiety mm-hmm. will do that. I feel like I'm self-aware because of that. And mm-hmm. I'm always thinking how people perceive me. And I wonder if that type of thing maybe helps on Survivor being that self-aware in that. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely, after the show, learned a lot. There's this gap between how you're perceiving yourself and how others are perceiving you. And the wider that gap, the more it can hurt you in in a game like Survivor. And so I definitely learned some of what that disconnect was for me just by doing the show. But I will say that anxiety, anxiety tends to keep you grounded with less of an ego. And a thing that gets a lot of people in trouble on Survivor and gets them voted off is ego. And so I found that at a certain point in this Survivor game, I would watch one after another as people's egos got inflated and they felt safe and went home. And for me, my anxiety definitely kept me away from that. Anxiety, while anxiety definitely can be a tool in the game of Survivor, I also think that going on a reality show where you're not eating and you're not sleeping and all the things that keep you healthy and functioning in the world are taken away is definitely a risky thing. And I also think it's not something that I think at 24, when I had this childhood dream, it was very easy to be like, let's do it. Survivor is very hard on the mental health of everyone, whether or not they deal with anxiety or not. And I don't know if it's necessarily the healthiest thing. So I don't want to sit here and be like, well, my anxiety was perfect for a game like Survivor because it was helpful but I also think it's still a reality show in front of 10 million people where you're essentially all the tools that keep you functioning are taken away and I think it's important to say that too. Do you think having gone through that experience of Survivor and that because it's a stressful experience Mm -hmm. it's just you're going through something so far out of the norm do you think that you're a mental health way do you think you're better off you have more tools to cope now do you think you're the same as you were before or less you know what I mean? Yeah if I'm better off it's because I took active steps after the show to seek tools I think there are a lot of people that do the show that are much worse off because it can be a very traumatizing experience and I know that people who don't know the show might think oh it's just a reality show like that's silly but you have to understand it's not about the oh I think I'm going to die of starvation it's the fact that you are being pulled in all these directions by people by producers it's a very public stage when you're out there you're almost the equivalent of drunk because you are not eating and not sleeping. Your body's in starvation mode. Your mind is in sleepless mode. So I think it can be a very intense mental health experience. For me, 
I gained a lot of tools because I sought those tools afterwards. After the show was done, I was having a rough time. And so I actively pursued things that would help me. I started, you know, I started working out consistently. I had never done that in my life. Before I went on the show, I had a personal trainer for a couple months, so I wouldn't immediately not be able to run up the hill or something. But I started, you know, actually getting into fitness, which helped my anxiety and mental health tremendously. I got a new therapist and I started contextualizing what had happened to me on Survivor and what I'd been through. I really worked hard to try to get in a better mental health place. And I did because I sought that after the show. So you sought that after the show. Did you seek it right when you got home from the show or after the show aired? It was before the show aired, but not right when I got home. Right when I got home, I was in a crazy headspace. You have to understand for those lists, I was the runner up on Survivor, which means that I made it to the end of the game and then the jury voted for someone else. And so I was in an insane headspace in terms of I was depleted, I was physically exhausted. So it took a couple months to even function in a normal way. I was sleeping on my floor. I think a lot of people that come home from Survivor don't function right away. And so after a couple months, I thought if I'm going to make it through the airing of this show, I'm going to need to get in a better place. So I sought those tools a couple months after I got home. But it was definitely a process to get there. I have a question that you may not be able to answer. Yeah, sure. So you're the runner up. So you make it 39 days with no food, nothing. And you Mm -hmm. go through the final tribal council where you kind of plea to the jury like why you should win. And it's it's stressful. I always think between the time that the filming stops and the live finale, the people that are in the finale learn who won, like the people that are in the jury tell them who they voted for. And it's not like a surprise at the live finale. I think some seasons it's a surprise. For my seasons particularly, it wasn't a surprise just because people can go back and look. There were just certain circumstances of the final people that were there where it became obvious where the jury was voting. I mean, I can say, I don't know every season. I think some season it's a surprise, but I knew I had lost. And so I prepared mentally to lose on national TV. That was something I prepared for. Well, that's where I was going with it. Because if you don't know, then that can be like, a oh, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen on live TV. When you say it became obvious, you knew who won. It was just because it became obvious or did people actually tell you? That's what I want to know. If you can't answer that question, then you can't. You go to a place where the jury is. So I think that answers the question. You can just ask people. It's not a big secret. I mean, it depends on the cast, though. I can't speak to every cast. I don't know. I just assumed that was the case. I figured people would want to know. I would want to know. And there's obviously times when it's like a closer race where... I don't know every cast. And I also... Yeah, I don't know every situation. I didn't like particularly go like, who'd you vote for? Who'd you vote for? There was nothing like that. It's not like the jury was telling us who they voted for. It was just... I don't know. Like if you're in a room full of people and you're in a court case, I don't know. If you're in a court case in a court, you can get a sense how the case is going. It would take a pretty thick person to be like, I think I won my court case when all the evidence is like, you've lost your court case. Right, I right. definitely think there are some seasons that are a surprise. Like you said, there are closer votes and things. But yeah, I think I was able to prepare for just what had happened. I, it wasn't like a huge shock to me. Yeah, I was able to prepare. And now that I think about it, I actually think I heard Russell Hans talk about how when he went to the live finale of his first season, he still thought there might be a chance. He obviously didn't ask people who they voted for. Well, I also... People don't have to tell you how they well, voted. That's true 
people too. can lie. I mean, also the last thing you want to do when you get off that show is be like, I know you would be like, oh, I'm curious. But like the last thing you want to do is go to each jury member and be like, so how'd you vote? I think yeah. there's a level of exhaustion after a month and a half of doing this thing. So that was a question kind of because I just was curious, but also because the fact that, you know, you're trying to mentally prepare yourself for what's going to happen on live TV. And so the more information you have, this it seems like the better. But I'll move away. I wanted to just talk a little bit about when you first knew that you had anxiety, because everybody has anxiety, then mm. there's people that are diagnosed with anxiety issues. And so I was just curious when you knew that the, the level of anxiety that you experienced was different. Yeah. And I didn't mean to get annoyed at the, <laughs> it wasn't, but no, I think the first clue that I had anxiety was that I just like didn't sleep as a kid. I just never slept. I mean, it's my dog's birthday today. He's turning 17. And I got we got my dog because the goal was like, let me try to sleep through the night a year like just a, just a year. And if I sleep through the night a year, I get a dog. Like that was a thing. I definitely think the first big clue was never sleeping. And you know, yeah. I was introduced to therapy pretty early. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. But when she was going through cancer, as a kid, my parents put me in therapy. So therapy was always normalized. So I very quickly with a combination of therapy being normalized and not sleeping realized that I was an anxious kid. That's good that it was normalized. Because sometimes people think of it as like, oh, you don't want to go to a therapy is something wrong with you. And so to have a supportive family like that is a big help. And I know talking to other people with anxiety and stuff, the not sleeping is a very common thing. Yeah. You know, your mind can race and everything else. So when you first figured that out, was there anything that you tried to use to cope that helped at that age? I'm trying to think back then. No, it wasn't really debilitating at that age. I just wasn't sleeping. Okay. You know, I played soccer as a kid, I think doing just team sports and again, like exercise, you know, it took a long time to figure out, I think into adulthood, the tools that I should use to deal with anxiety. I think for a while, it was just a part of being an anxious kid. I don't know, for you, did you figure out tools like as a kid? Or did it take you a while? It took me a while to figure out that art would help and working out helps. The problem with that is if someone right now is listening and they're dealing with anxiety and they've never tried working out, like probably the gyms are still going to be closed and getting outside is a little bit harder. You have to socially distance. So it's not as much of an option, but there's still ways you can totally. Go to- oh, and I understand exercise is not an option for everyone. I think if you're stuck in your home, I would definitely recommend, I know this is a silly recommendation, but uh, there's so many online workout videos and I know it sounds silly and you might feel silly in front of your computer doing an online workout video, but it really can help. And for me, I would also say, you mentioned art, getting into like doing like comedy and improv in high school really helped as well. Just having a creative outlet. I also do a lot of writing. And so, you know, I wrote plays about anxiety and I was doing comedy. So I was able to talk about my anxiety while laughing about it. And so that was helpful too. That's what I found to be obviously most helpful. And that's what I've talked about is doing something with a creative outlet, right? So I draw and that's always helped because I have like tics and anxiety. And when I draw, that stuff seems to just go away. And when I stop drawing, yeah, mm. it comes back. But just to have a break for a couple hours during the day when you're not thinking about that stuff, that's sometimes all you really need. Definitely. I mean, that's always how I felt about like, I know improv seems so silly, but it's how I felt when I started doing, I started doing it at 14, you know, as a freshman in high school. And at first, 
because I was like too anxious to speak. But once I got the hang of it, it was the place I was most free. I wasn't anxious because it's very much about like working with other people and just gut instincts and getting good at that even having an audience respond in a positive way. And just it was just so freeing. When I was in college, I did, you know, Second City stuff. And I did like improv in college. And then transferring that to sketch writing, it was great to have an outlet, like you said, even like expecting me to be nervous and casting, but I had so much fun because it reminded me of the outlets that I had. Creative outlets can really, even momentarily, give you a relief from that. Right. It's so nice. Which is what exercise does too, like you were saying, like any type of outlet, I guess that's something where you can just put 100% of you into it. Yes. And then you're not focused on things that maybe you normally would be. And I'm 100% the last person that would ever, I would never think I'd be on a podcast preaching exercise. Do you know how hard I worked to avoid like gym class in high school? Like it was the last thing, but there is a, a meditative state that you can get to with certain exercises. And it there's just a bazillion ways to do it. I know for me coming off Survivor, I really liked kickboxing. I was annoyed, like you said, I knew the jury didn't vote for me and I was annoyed. So I just got to punch a bag a bunch of times. My endorphins raised, my mind calmed. Meditation was always really hard for me. And so exercise is sort of an alternative to that, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. And so obviously, <laughs> this is a more of an art podcast. So we focused a little bit on the creativity, which I was happy with. You must have had a lot of people reach out to you. We talked a little bit before we hit record. So I know I told you that every time I do a video that has anything to do with Tourette's or mental health, people reach out and are so thankful that I'm talking about it. And so that must have happened when you were on Survivor. You must have got a lot of people. Well, the crazy thing is I gave my social media away for the week I knew my panic attack was coming. I gave it to a friend because I was like, I'm going to get so much. I mean, you get hate if you look at a person incorrect, like annoyed on the show. And so I thought I'm just going to get so much hate. So I gave my social media to a fellow castmate. And then he started telling me that all these people had started reaching out and sharing their own experience. And part of it is because Survivor let me narrate my own panic attack. Right. But I got hundreds of messages of people who some people were realizing they had had a panic attack before and didn't know until they watched the show. Some people knew they had panic attacks and just wanted to share their story. And even now when I podcast and I, I did a survivor podcast and I just said, if you, you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, feel free to reach out. Here's my Instagram. Yeah. And people reach out and they just, you know, people want tools and they want to know what to do. And obviously I'm not a professional. So a lot of it's just being like, here's a professional's, uh, here's a site where you can look up professionals in your area. But yeah, it made me feel a lot uh, not alone in a, in a time where <laughs> in front of 10 million people, I was having my panic attack aired. So yeah, I think the biggest a big thing is that so many people deal with these things. Right. So if shame is stopping you from addressing it or getting help, don't let that be the reason because so many people deal with this. That's so true. And I bet when these people reach out to you, just telling their story to you probably was therapeutic because mm. there's a lot of people that maybe can't afford therapy. And so just being able to to talk to someone that they think can relate to them. I think that's been a help to me, like being able to talk to other people that yeah. have had similar things that I've gone through. And so I would. that's why I asked about people reaching out. I think it's really nice. I hope it was helpful. I mean, I people have been so open and I'm so thankful for how open people have been with me. Hopefully it helped them. It definitely helped me to get all these messages of people who had gone through the same thing. Because I was really scared that week when it was going to air. And yeah, everyone should, mental health 
health should be covered in this country. No one should not be able to afford to talk to a professional. I would definitely encourage people if they think they can't afford it to look into what their health insurance covers. A lot of times, even though it could be improved, it's more than you would think, even if the options are more limited. I know for me, I had a $5 copay and I was on a very low rung of health insurance. I totally understand that not everyone can afford mental health help, but I think that people should look into it because there are more options than we think there are, I would say. And so to look into that is smart. Look into other things too, like we've been talking about um, creativity and exercise. Just There's so many avenues that aren't right. you know, medical avenues, but they really do help. I love the way you talk about how doing art like gives you a break from that because that's how I feel about writing. I mean, I'm not right. visually talented at all. I took one drawing class in high school and it took me like six hours to draw the fruit bowl and it didn't look like fruit at all. But for me, yeah, the writing and the comedy, it's such a relief not only a relief from my brain, but it's also a way to process it. Mm -hmm. If I have three nights in a row where I haven't slept, to be able to process that in a creative way is really helpful to letting go of some of the things that it's keeping me up at night. I've agreed with pretty much everything you've said. And I think it was just nice that you would come on the podcast and talk about this. And it's awesome that you went on Survivor and were vulnerable <laughs> because so many people benefited from that. Like you said, I got so many people reached out to you. And for every person that reached out to you, there was probably, you know, hundreds more that did didn't message you, but felt the same way, right? It's amazing to think about that. And I'm very thankful for Survivor. I know I can be I can be critical of the experience and also super thankful for it. Would you do it again? I say that I'm retired. I think the main thing for me is that I really, I really want to have agency over the next part of whatever the narrative of what I do is. And it was an incredible experience. You know, who knows? People come out of retirement. But for me, I yeah. really want to... It's very hard as a creative person to give up your agency and let yourself be molded by a, an amazing team of storytellers, but storytellers that are not you. I think a lot of the artists who listen to this podcast could probably understand that to some degree. Yeah. But it, it really, it was like entering my childhood fantasies. It was crazy to be on an island that I had been watching. Not, not the exact island, but to be inside the show that I'd been watching since I was 14 was absolutely nuts. I'm glad that my experience resonated with people. And I, I hope that I can continue to be a person that those people can kind of feel connected to. I'm sure that that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah, I felt, you know, I felt a responsibility too. you know, I think after the show happened, you know, I felt a responsibility to continue to tell my story and again, tell it with my own agency and tell it the way I wanted yep. to tell it. Well, I think you've done a good job. Well, thank you. And it's also cool. I'm a fading F-less reality person and I get to go on cool art podcasts. It's very fun. It'll last for a while too because you still see people that were on it, Survivor's in its 40th season. It's 40, 40 seasons. There, there's all winners yeah. now for those who don't know. And if you haven't given Survivor a chance if you're out there and thinking like, <laughs> oh, it's a reality show, it, it's so much better than you think it is. I was that way and I don't really like reality <laughs> TV but now I love Survivor. I like, I even like Big Brother which is a little, <laughs> I would say you're more likely to like Survivor than Big Brother because it's a little bit more. I had only watched one episode of Big Brother, but a Survivor cast member invited me to the live taping of a Big Brother. I got to go inside the Big Brother house, which is really just a studio like lot. Yeah. And it was very claustrophobic and funny. Yeah, I think if you had, I mean, I would never have gone on any other reality show. I was even hesitant to go on just because I, I was a little bit scared of being a contestant on a reality show. Survivor is a different beast. It is a different beast. And I feel like 
conflict survivor has taken on some like pretty heavy topics and they've done it in a responsible way. Sometimes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, for, for the most part. Yeah. They've tried to. At I least. think they've gotten better over the years. I think that there were probably things that were mishandled in the past. And I think there's been a growth on the show. And something I respect, like I said, is they let people tell their own story. Yeah. Because I think my fear was like, I had this panic attack. I was afraid they were going to cut to, there were certain cast members that didn't understand what was happening. I was afraid they were going to show me having a panic attack and then cut to cast members making fun of me or something. And that could have easily happened. And it would have been a misrepresentation of what anxiety is. But instead, the show cut to to me speaking and telling people I had a panic attack just now here's what a panic attack is I'm very thankful that the show did that and I think it's great yeah that's what I meant I think they mean well the producers whereas some reality shows probably don't care about the contestants and they want them to get drunk and act stupid whereas Survivor wants you to be yourself so when I talked about like the edit earlier there's only so much they can do that totally they're showing what the person did and said they can put it in whatever order they want and try to tell a story but they have to use actual footage yeah and that's why I wanted to give context to that edit conversation because I have very specific feelings about edits you know my story was how did Hannah start at the beginning and then lose at the end so that is Mm -hmm. the story I'm that is being told so very specific moments are going to be shown or left out because that's the story that doesn't mean it's an untrue story it is just a story I also think I'm personally that you know the survivor storytellers are incredible at weaving together stories I also you know I always want a more critical audience at the same time who think about okay the winner is the protagonist because for those who don't know, they film the show and then edit it. So they know who the winner is. Right. They're telling the story of how protagonist started on day one and then won the show. And everyone else becomes the characters that the protagonist dealt with. So it, it is both a completely true show and a very specifically weaved story. And I mm-hmm. will forever find that balance fascinating. And as someone who went through it, I still find it interesting. Like I'm a writer. And so the way they tell the story is something that I've always loved about the show. I was just giving it a plug because there's probably people out there that are anti-reality TV and so I think it's the top tier reality TV. It really it's is. It's the highest brow of the reality TV. There are going to be people that are like, he invited this reality contestant on who couldn't stop talking about exercise. <laughs> What is this for an art podcast? I think that we'll get positive feedback. I really do thank you for coming on. Do you have Thanks anything like you want to plug your Instagram handle or anything like that? Sure. If you want to follow me, my Instagram and Twitter are Hannah Lil Nesson. That's H-A-N-N-A-H-L-I-L-N-E-S-S-E-N. I didn't need to spell it for you, but I did. I write articles. I've written for like Men's Health and People, so I post those on Twitter usually and Instagram. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I hope people feel like they've at least at the very least gained a comfort with maybe some of the anxiety they're experiencing in this scary time and I just I I really urge everyone to talk to the people maybe not physically around you but who are around you I just I wanted to do this because I think in this time more than ever there should be no shame around people dealing with mental health stuff and there really there are tools that can help you whether that's mindfulness and meditation art and a creative outlets whatever it is I for a very long time could have been happier than I was and I was much happier once I got the tools I needed 
to deal with my mental health. That's a great way to end. If you can find some tools, you're going to be a lot better off if you're not doing anything proactively right Definitely. now. Definitely. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect or uh, there's no right. one band-aid solution. But the reason I speak so openly, whether or not people respond positively is because I really, I want people to get to have all the tools that I've learned about. And as I continue to learn and get more tools, I want people to get those too. It's something great. I'm passionate about. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. that. And we thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Thank you.